Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming up this week, Disney is being sued over allegations that it is collecting and selling children's personal information. A 10-year-old girl gets her, gets robbed of her Disneyland savings, and a new Star Wars virtual reality experience is coming to Disney Springs later this year. We'll tell you more about that. Steve Porter is also going to be joining us a little later on from Epcot with a report on Universe of Energy. All that plus Roundtable Rapid Fire coming up next. From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is The Diz Unplugged. This is The Diz Unplugged, episode 950 for the week of August 8th, 2017. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming to you live from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, Mr. John Magi. Hi, everybody. Mr. Kevin Close. Hi, everyone. Mr. Charles Boda. Hello. Mrs. Julie Martin. Hey, y'all. And Craig. So welcome, everybody. Hope you're having a good week. We've got a few things to uh, talk about in housekeeping before we get on to the news. First of all, I want to remind everybody, if you'd like to uh, listen to the best and worst of Walt Disney World show that we do, uh, you can now subscribe to that separately on iTunes. It had been on the same feed with this show for a while, and now it's strong enough to stand on its own. It's gone off to school, so to speak. So you can go to disunplug.com, anywhere in the show notes, and subscribe to that show and all of our shows if you'd like to get them on iTunes. Also, I want to remind everyone, we are still looking for video contributors. If you'd like to uh, contribute to the Diz and uh, do vlogs and things of that nature, we'd love uh, we'd love to see what, uh, what you've got. So head over to disunplug.com, check out the show notes, you'll find a link for that too. And want to remind everybody that you can also download the Disunplugged app on the Apple iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. Uh, just search for Disunplugged and you get all the latest shows, the Dreams Unlimited Travel Show, The Best and Worst, this show, Universal, Disneyland, uh, Dispop. Am I missing anything? Connecting with Walt. Connecting with Walt. Uh, yep. um, all of that available on the show along with the show notes. Uh, the, uh, our news feed is updated there. Um, ability to go check out the disboards.com from the app uh, links to our Facebook and Twitter everything all right there in one very convenient free app so just search for Diz Unplugged on the Apple iTunes store or the Google Play store and you can have all that wonderful in your pocket and we can go many places with that and we won't uh, speaking of shows I uh, want to remind you of the shows we have coming up this week every Monday disunplugged.com and youtube.com slash dreams unlimited travel is the dreams unlimited travel podcast with john magi kevin close and miss tracy heinrichs and what have you got coming up this week mr magi uh this past week monday show uh tracy did a really great show on using disney's quick service dining plan to get other choices other than like pizza and hamburgers and chicken fingers but because tracy was recently diagnosed with um, food sensitivities, it actually became more about, not more about, but it became equally about 
how she used that to make her dining choices. So really good coverage on if you have food allergies, but also if you're planning on using the quick service dining, how you can get other options. She had some great stuff. She had like steak and fish and chips that looked wonderful. So oh, awesome. That was really good. And then coming up on this week's show, next Monday, we're going to do an Alani questions and answer show. We're going to be taking questions from our folks, our clients, our listeners, and all those good things. All right. Also, every Monday, DizUnplugged.com, the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged with host Tom Bell and his team. And this week, Mary Jo talks about her recent trip to the Los Angeles Zoo. Uh, every Wednesday, the best and worst of Walt Disney World with myself and Mr. Steve Porter. Um, this week, we are uh, discussing the worst character dining, the, the five worst character dining experiences at Walt Disney World. And we did this a little different than we've done some of the other ones. Uh, we've been doing a lot of polls. And uh, what we had been doing is just like doing one poll for, you know, what's your favorite character, you know, like your favorite, you know, uh, character uh, meal. And then we were using the top five answers as the best and taking the bottom five as the worst. And some people were suggesting you should do a separate poll for worst. It turns out they were right. So we did a separate poll for this. Very interesting results. Not surprising, the number one position. No one's going to be surprised by it, least of all me. But uh, some of the other ones were kind of surprising. Um, so you can check that out Wednesday. The best and worst of Walt Disney World. The number one best surprised you or the number one worst surprised you? The number one worst surprise did not surprise me. Okay. Did not surprise me. Should not surprise anyone. What do you think? Well, no, never mind. We don't give it away. We don't want to do any spoilers. But <laughs> Wednesday you'll find out what the number one worst character meal at Disney World is. And if you've listened to this show for more than 20 minutes in the past, you know what it is already. But every Thursday, DizUnplugged.com, the universal edition of the uh, DizUnplugged, with Craig and Rhino, and uh, this week's show, Craig? Uh, on this week's show, we are going to give you tips for what you can do um, at Universal Orlando or kind of in the greater surrounding area of property. Uh, if it's if it's all rainy outside and kind of miserable and you're looking for something else to do. So it's a uh, good one to give you some tips about what is all around Universal instead of just on property. And considering it's rained every single day. Oh, yeah. That's a good tip. No, it's mm-hmm. been horrible. But uh, also, uh, every Friday, DizUnplugged.com, DizPop with Mr. Rhino Clavin. And I think this week, Craig Williams? Yeah, um, as most weeks now. Uh, this week, we uh, are talking about the Nicktoons through um, the 90s. So starting with like Ren and Stimpy and Rugrats and moving all the way up through uh, SpongeBob SquarePants and our adoration for all those things. Okay, that's coming up this week. And if you're wondering where Rhino is, um, he is over in the UK. He um, was in Ireland, then he was in London, and now he's going back to Ireland. Don't ask me. I don't plan his trips. <laughs> but he'll be back with us again next week. So those of you missing, missing Rhino, uh, his giant head will be zooming across the Atlantic <laughs> later on this week, and he'll be back with us here in the studio next Tuesday. So anything else in housekeeping? Nope. No, no housekeeping. No. <laughs> Julie was like thinking about it. No. Okay. Then um, very interested to talk about this first news story. All right. Our first news story, Disney facing lawsuit over collecting and selling children's personal information. A class action lawsuit was filed against the Walt Disney Company, alleging that Disney violated the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, or COPA. 
The law is put in place to protect children's rights by placing special restrictions and requirements on websites and online services marketing to those 13 years of age or younger. The lawsuit uh, was filed in April of this year in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California, and it names Amanda Rushing and her child as plaintiffs, as well as other parents and children with the same grievance. A few days ago, the Walt Disney Company has released a response to the pending lawsuit. Their official statement reads, quote, Disney has a robust COPA compliance program, and we maintain strict data collection and use policies for Disney apps created for children and families. The The complaint. The complaint is based on a fundamental misunderstanding of COPA principles, and we look forward to defending this action in court. Well, what was... Challenge accepted. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What... uh, it's a weird way to say it. We look forward to defending it in court. Yeah. It's well, kind of aggressive. What what struck me about this, first of all, this is pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was serious when I first saw it. Um, Charles uh, wrote the article uh, for us on, on the Diz, and over the weekend received an email from Disney Legal responding to the article. Now, 20 years that I've had the Diz, and we've been putting up stories of all sorts for years, never once had Disney respond. Tells me that there's something about this that they're nervous about. So we invited our good friend, Mr. Jack Bergen, our our, uh, attorney friend. It's always good to have an attorney as a friend uh, to join us and talk a little bit more about this. Jack, what what do you have to say about this story? Well, first I want to say hello to Disney Legal. (laughs) they're watching you Um, well I've looked at this and the uh, COPPA as I'm going to call it C-O-P-P-A all caps I liked COPPA uh, better like the Copacabana well I thought so and COPPA has kind of some other connotations but we'll keep it clean here (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) oh Jack went there already since we're already talking about children, oh. um, it's designed to prevent companies from tracking children. And, and John, just to play lawyer, it is it is the definition of child means an individual under the age of 13, not 13 or below. Uh, not that one year makes much of a difference in my mind, but I thought I'd play lawyer. So, uh, COPPA... It, 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 provides for several things. First, uh, they have provided notice about personal information that the website collects from children. If the website or the online service, which in this case would include apps designed for children, will collect that personal information. And the policy has to say how the company use the information, how they'll disclose it. And then the key point of this lawsuit is that how the company will uh, obtain in parental consent before collecting, using, or disclosing that personal information Sure. And so the lawsuit here goes into, well, the major allegation is that Disney never obtained the uh, parents, their verifiable parental consent to collect, use, or disclose their child's personal information. And by that, verifiable parental consent is meant to be more than just uh, clicking the box saying, yes, I'm 13. 
the 13.8. What it means is that there's kind of a two-step verification. Uh, and companies step state Hey Jack, uh, we're, uh, we're, your your feed is coming in and out on uh, on Skype, so we're getting like every other word. Um, so I don't know, Craig. Do we want to try and bring him back in or reconnect? Yeah, we can. If you yeah, wanna, let's let's if you do that, stall. Jack. Let's uh, we'll talk to Charles a little bit while we try and get you back on, so we can hear everything okay. you, that you're saying. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I'll just kind of paraphrase some of what Jack Jack was saying that uh, COPPA requires not just that it's a two-step verification. Not only uh, does it require that you acknowledge that you're basically under the age of 13 and that you've read and agreed to these terms, but also that there's parental consent um, and that this applies to um, any, um, this, any online contact, whether it be a website, an app, and specifically what we're talking about here, we're triggered this was the presence of some code in and in, in some apps so charles you were talking talking to me about this yesterday so i'll let you share yeah. some more on it uh the class action suit um it's disney and then uh separate companies that they worked with who embedded code in there to collect information um that could later be used to or sold for marketing purposes so to create profiles based on um time of use preferences and everything like that over um, multiple devices too um and disney had previously had something similar happen in 2011 with one of their subsidiaries playdom um which they bought playdom in i think late 2010 like may 2010 um and so their legal team had already dealt with violations of coppa <clears throat> Playdom um, and the company they purchased a claim had a similar thing. They had 20 of these virtual worlds that, you know, like the names like Two Moons and Nine Dragons and stuff like that. Well, they had one uh, called Pony Stars, which was specifically targeted towards children. I mean, like the only people who were going to be on this app were children. And they didn't allow for uh, verification or for parental consent. Um, and they ended up collecting. 400,000 on 400,000 children's information <coughs> on their 20 virtual worlds uh, but an additional 800,000 for their pony stars thing and they ended up paying three million dollars to the FTC so when Disney for, Disney acquired this company Disney ended up having to pay this money yeah so Disney Disney did not own the company for the majority of when it started through 2006 to 2010 but Disney legal has dealt with it because this came up right after they purchased the company mm. so their um, Copa rules should be pretty much on lock so, you know, when the response mentions, you know, we understand and everything like that. Because we've already had to pay for this. Yeah. So, it will, you know, they, they can't, they, they're not in a position to where they could, like, claim ignorance of right. COPA or anything like that. All right. We've got Jack back. So, uh, talk to me so I know that we can hear you. Can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. So, All I'll right. let you go ahead. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, Playdom lawsuit. Is that it? The Playdom yeah. uh, action? Yeah. Uh, Disney acquired Playdom in August of 2010, and the violations occurred, at least according to the FTC's website, between 2006 and 2010. But yes, Disney Legal probably negotiated the settlement. Probably when they bought Playdom, they included some kind of reservation in the purchase price to be able to pay whatever fines were in, in, uh, 
levy agreed to. And so, yes, that shows that Disney has uh, a well aware of the, the copper requirements. And when you go to buy an app, I, I took one for the team here and downloaded the Disney Princess Pets app. <laughs> <laughs> sure you did. Which is the subject of the lawsuit. And uh, before you can download it, well, you can download free. And then, of course, it's the app that you have in purchase, in-app purchases. And so when you go to make purchases, a little pop-up comes up saying, check with an adult. And then also... Uh, on the uh, app store screen, it links the Disney's children's uh, privacy policy, which says that it applies COPPA and uh, they use a third party, uh, say, part to verify the compliance. Now, yeah, what? No, we're good. Okay. The interesting thing about the lawsuit is that COPPA does not permit private party lawsuits. It's enforced by state attorney generals or by the FTC itself. Huh. With some other regulatory agencies that can enforce it as other types of entities, for instance, banks can be enforced by the FTC. Uh, so for, for our purposes, COPPA does not itself forbid this lawsuit. And I'll get to another point in a minute. So instead of suing under COPPA, what they have done is sue for the tort of uh, uh, invasion of seclusion. Now we're back to having this uh, yeah, this issue. Um, any idea? What, is it on our end, Craig? It seems that it was starting out strong, but it seems to have faded. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a connection issue. Jack, uh, I have a question for you. In the lawsuit that these people have filed, what are the damages they're seeking? What What are the damages to this child and family that the information's out there? Is there any? They They don't specify an amount. Uh, for jurisdictional purposes, they have alleged more than $5 million is at issue. Uh, but when you look at their claim for damages, what they want is an injunction prohibiting Disney from doing this, and punitive damages. All right. Yeah, Jack, it seems much better when you're close to the mic. Okay, let me just hold the mic down. Yeah. How's that? The closer you are to the mic, the better it seems to be. So, um, okay. So, but you're saying that COPPA does not really allow, I mean, this has to be enforced by the government. It doesn't allow for private party lawsuits. So is that, do you think, where Disney's going to go with this, to have this dismissed? Yes. I think they'll file a motion to dismiss, which has a pretty decent chance of being successful. The way the plaintiffs have tried to characterize their claim as this, essentially, let's call it a tort of invasion of privacy under uh, state law and under California law, is that they're, they're suing, let me kind of explain that this tort is used whenever somebody really invades your privacy, trying, well, the example is that a reporter sneaks into somebody's hospital and takes pictures of some dreaded disease, and you can sue the reporter for disclosing private information. 
So that's where the plaintiffs are trying to fit this lawsuit. So, yeah, because you're coming in and out again, um, I, I just want to repeat what you just said because I think it's interesting. The basis, for the, the law they're trying to use to do this suit is an invasion of privacy law, whereas, like, if somebody, if a reporter sneaks into a hospital room and takes a picture of somebody with a terrible disease and invades their privacy doing that, that's really what this law is designed for. This law is, is not designed for, for COPPA protection. Right. Now, the interesting thing about COPPA is it does not permit private parties to enforce COPPA. As a matter of fact, it includes what we call a preemption provision, which specifically says that no state laws can take action inconsistent with the procedures and actions authorized by COPPA. So the first motion Disney will file is to argue that uh, COPPA itself prohibits these tort costs of actions against Disney. Yeah, but is that going to end up being an invitation for the, for the FTC and, and state, uh, state Attorney General to say, okay, then we'll pick it up from here? And... Uh, but I... I tried this before. I, uh, I complain to the FTC all the time about potential violations. And for all I know, I just don't have a technical background to know whether Disney has, in fact, violated COPPA. Uh, I'm looking at this from the standpoint of does this lawsuit And the first principle is you can only enforce uh, federal laws if Congress gives you permission to do so. And here, by setting up FTC and state law enforcement, state attorney general enforcement, Congress, or say, has, has intended that only those parties can enforce COPPA. So the, the preemption provision is going to be an initial defense. So, so Disney probably has a really good chance of getting this thrown out of court. Um, what I found interesting, like I said before, was the fact that unsolicited, we received a response to this story from Disney Legal, um, which is highly, highly unusual. We, I, you know, we don't, and we're assuming, I mean, it, it, we're assuming that any outlet that posted this story probably got the exact same email that we did. But, um, you know, and basically it was just, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Charles, it was just basically reinforcing that, you know, we follow all COPPA guidelines and this is a misunderstanding. The plaintiffs don't understand how COPPA works. Um, but I just found the fact that they responded like this in and of itself to be unusual. Um, it was a quick response, too. Um, it was very they, quick. They were not sitting on it for a significant length of time. I wrote the article in the afternoon, and I think... This received, was on Thursday? Yeah, I think I received the email maybe four or five hours later, probably, maybe a little later than that. Wow. But, so, um, yeah, they're on it because it's incredibly bad PR for children's information, obviously. So it's not it's not something they're taking lightly, it seems. But. Well, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where this goes, and if Jack's prediction is correct that... Uh, that they stand a decent chance of getting this dismissed um, just on the face of it. 
um, because mm-hmm. the private parties don't have the right to sue. Because I didn't know that. I didn't know the private p- parties couldn't sue for COPPA, which is why we talked to a lawyer. This is a lawsuit. The, the claims you're asserting in this lawsuit are actually based on a lawsuit against Nickelodeon. Nick.com had a children's privacy policy that flat out said, hey, grown-ups, we don't collect any personal information about your kids, which means we couldn't share it even if we wanted to. The lawsuit against Nick uh, alleged that that flat false. And so the court permitted this invasion of seclusion to, to go forward reasoning that the promise not to collect any information from children itself created an expectation of privacy with respect to this, whatever the children do on the Nickelodeon website. So there's actually precedent then for a lawsuit like this to go through, and that's what this legal team, I guess, is banking on. But you think even with that precedent, Disney stands a good chance of getting this dismissed? Right, because there is a difference between Disney's COPPA policy, where they acknowledge they do take certain information with parent permission, uh, and say, we don't collect any personal information. And and I I just have to be honest. I mean, again, I don't know. Maybe they did do this. Maybe there is something here. Especially with what we were just talking about with the company they purchased. Um, I... And, and the, the fact that they had to pay out money, um, basically honoring the, the violations that company had committed. It just doesn't seem like Disney to let a big detail like that slip past them. Yeah. I, well, part of it, too, and I haven't seen in this lawsuit yet, um, but with the previous one, the information that they use, if you're wondering, um, this lawsuit is based off um, information compiled and sold for marketing um, but the previous lawsuit, one of the problems was that it allowed children, um, it was again uh, 12 years or under, I guess, um, uh, it allowed them to go on and share information on profiles um, and in forums. And that information that would get shared would be their own profile, also their location and their instant messenger tag. So um, mm. these children's personal information, uh, they were going out public for places who uh, for in places where if somebody were looking for it they could take advantage of it um i don't think that's the same case with this lawsuit but i'm not exactly positive about it so well i think that uh you know i i I think it has especially if it's allowed to move forward then this is going to become a big deal um i think right now disney's not taking any chances and i i i just i do want to make the point that as i mentioned um, you know, not only has Disney responded in general to this, but they've also responded specifically to us, and they are vehemently standing by their claims that they have not violated COPPA and that they're fully prepared to defend that in court. So um, it's it's very interesting. But Jack, thank you so much for taking time to join us. Sorry about the the technical the technical glitch, but it's always good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while, so we'll have to hope for some more lawsuit stories so we can uh, bring you back. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe bring you back just on something ears. <laughs> or maybe just bring you back on something non-legal related. So, all right, <laughs> it's good to be here. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. All right, bye bye. All right, all right. We move on to the next. All right, the our, next happy story. Our next news is actually is a happy story. Ten-year-old girl robbed of Disneyland savings, so police paid for her trip. 
A thief who burglarized a home in Salinas, California, stole $200 cash that 10-year-old Andrea Ramirez was saving for a Disneyland vacation. When Andrea and her family showed up at police headquarters to report they had been robbed, police only took a report, but also not only took a report, but also took it upon themselves to make sure the young girl made it to Disneyland. Police Chief Adele Frizz was quoted as saying, Our police officer said there's no way, not on my watch. It was bad enough that the burglary happened, but that we got to, we have to make this good for this little girl. The chief uh, says police and community service officers open their hearts and their wallets for the fifth grader. Uh, the police then called the girl and her family to the station on the ruse. They wanted them to identify some of their stolen property. When Andrea showed up, police gave her Mickey Mouse cards and more than $1,000 in cash. Wow. Andrea said, quote, I was so happy to go, but when they robbed me, I thought I wasn't going to go anymore. So that had a happy ending. That did have a happy ending. Um, you know, and I, I, I love... And I, I, look, I, I don't want to get inundated with emails here. Um, I love stories like this because it seems that every story we hear anymore about police officers are usually really, really bad. Um, and I'm not saying for a second that those stories aren't valid, um, that there aren't problems. But the vast majority of law enforcement are good, decent people doing a job many of us don't have the stones to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when I hear things like this, you know, it really makes me, you know, it makes me happy for this family and this little girl, but also that it's, you know, it's just a good story. I agree. Um, and I'm ni- it's nice to hear something positive. So True. that's all. I won't all right. go any further. Okay. Uh, third news story. Uh, Kevin hasn't had a chance to participate much so far on the show, so this is for him. <laughs> Virtual reality Star Wars experience coming to Walt Disney World and Disneyland. He and I will be first in line, right, Kevin? I know. Julie, I am so excited. Yep, me too. I'm going to be positive <laughs> about this for right, you. Go ahead. Set to open this holiday season at both Disney Springs and Walt Disney World and in downtown Disney at the Disneyland Resort are two new Void Experience Centers. These Void Experience Centers will allow guests to step inside an immersive virtual reality experience called Star Wars Secrets of the Empire. The Void is a, quote, location-based immersive entertainment firm from Utah. They've teamed up with Lucasfilms Letters, I-L-M-X-L-A-B, uh, which is their immersive entertainment division to create an experience that will allow guests to walk freely into a galaxy far, far away. Not far enough. The crucial part of the Void's virtual reality experiences is the combination of the virtual reality and the physical, tangible surroundings that are also part of the experience. Okay, I'm sorry. I am really, 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 really excited about this. I think this sounds amazing. Didn't we do this in Las Vegas where they like blew us up onto the deck of the... But it wasn't virtual reality. That no. was an actual physical experience. And this is a combination of both. Yeah. Yeah, this cool. combination really is what, different. This combination is what makes the attraction into what The Void calls a hyper-reality experience. Um... Through the power of the void, guests who step into Star Wars Secrets of the Empire won't just see this world, they'll know that they are part of this amazing story. Uh, There aren't many details out on what will take place or what the story will be in Star Wars Secrets of the Empire, but many have gathered that it might take place around the same time period as Rogue One, a Star Wars story, due to the appearance of the security droid K-2SO. 
It also appears that guests will visit Mustafar, a volcanic planet that is a volcanic planet that is seen in Star Wars Episode Three and in Rogue One. So uh, yeah, things are going to happen. Do we know the date this is going to open? Um, I don't know the date. It wasn't mentioned in any story. I, I heard later this yeah. year. Yeah, I, I did. I have taken a look at some of the previous stuff, though. They did a Ghostbusters one as well, um, and it was rel- it looks relatively awesome. They've got haptic vests, so you feel it. Um, and when you're in the VR, it's got real-world elements. So, like, let's say you go to grab a doorknob. There's a real-world doorknob you're grabbing. You so actually- you are actually moving around here. You're not. This is not a seated experience. No, you're moving around, and you're not. You're, it's not just like a flat black room. Like I did a VR thing recently um, over at Point Orlando, and it's like you're you're in a bare room. But they use like um, they use a bunch of techniques that like they claim kind of like that a magician or an illusionist would use. So like removable walls and like um, perspective changes, so that you're in a room but you have props so what you're seeing in the vr when you go to touch it and feel it it's there you actually touch it and feel it and like the haptic suit gives you like tactile sensations too so it's like it's a whole thing it's not like your average like it's not just sitting in your chair with the headset on yeah it's not like like any vr experience that i've ever done or that i'm used to kind of okay i am really really psyched about that i think this is cool so when darth vader comes up and tweaks your nipples you actually feel it Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think Kevin should is a good opportunity for him to break out his uh, Princess Amidali uh, uniform. <laughs> I think so too. Is that Natalie Portman? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay, that'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> you get you get confused for Natalie all the time. <laughs> we're, we're about the same size. <laughs> what I think is neat is that this is coming to Downtown Disney. So mm-hmm. This isn't a park experience. This isn't something you have to buy a ticket for. And that's going to make it right. ridiculous in terms of the lines. And I'm sure it's going to be an extra cost. There are people sure. sleeping out already. Probably. Do you think it's going in the Disney where Disney Quest is? No, No, that's Disney Quest is going to be the NBA experience. The NBA experience. Something else, Kevin's very excited about. Something else we can share. (laughs) (laughs) Exciting. (laughs) NBA Uh, and Star Wars. I'll be at the mall. All right, that'll do it for the news. All right, thank you, John. Before we move on to rapid fire, I see uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Porter. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Looks hot. Doing good. Is it extraordinarily hot out there? It's warm, but it actually doesn't feel as humid as it usually is in Orlando, so it's not as bad. And I noticed that you are in Epcot standing in front of Universe of Sleep Disorders. I mean, Universe of Energy. You and the other three people. (laughs) What'd you say? You and the other three people that are in Epcot today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, although there's probably more people over here than normal because it's about to close soon, so we have some people... I think uh, giving their final goodbyes, which I'm actually doing today as well. When does it close? Um, I think this Saturday. Craig, do you know for sure? I think it's this Saturday. It's this Sunday. Sunday. Thundering hordes are there to say goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Is Epcot itself pretty crowded today, or is it pretty quiet? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's as to be expected in the summer, we have a 55-minute wait for test track. I think Soren was an hour. the frozen ever after was 95 um so not super bad but it is uh it is somewhat crowded at least this park absorbs the crowds a little bit better than the other so it doesn't feel too bad so uh what else you got to tell us so i was over at soren i did that and then kind of actually walked around there's some new signage over at mission space um i actually posted a little bit of a news story yesterday on with uh 
new height requirements for the new mission, for the new green mission, is now at 40 inches rather than 44. So they put that signage up. Um, and I talked to the cast member outside. He said, as soon as Universe comes down, mission space will come open. So it'll be nice that uh, it'll help the crowds over here that the, so, the uh, mission space will be open as soon as this is closed. Explain to people what the green mission is at mission space. Yeah, so uh, there's been a lot of complaints over the years that the mission space attraction has been too intense, uh, and that, that's why they actually came out with the green mission originally. It's a less intense version of the mission to Mars type, or, or mission to Mars version mission of uh, the orange mission. Um, but actually, they've taken it one step taken it one How many step times could he put the word mission, mission into a sentence? I think that was 11. Uh, what? Said you said it. mission 11 times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a mission. I don't know. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, now new height requirements for that. Is so, Kermit that's cool the Frog for, for young riders that want to get on. What? Was Kermit the Frog there? Leave him alone. Laugh. Leave him alone. I know. I know. Don't Poor pick on Steve. Steve. I get it. He gets enough from they me. Send me hate mail. I understand. Uh, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> he doesn't care anymore. It's over us. He's now he's an employee of the disc. Now, uh, well, apparently, like the show must have just let out or something because there's like people like <laughs> running from the building. Look at this. Is this? I think this is called fleeing. Max, max exodus of the attraction. Well, yeah, because it but, holds like you know it holds a lot of people. Every show does hold quite a few people at University. Yeah. Energy. So even though it's just closing, there's still like a five minute wait because it fits like I don't know like hundreds of people. So also look how happy they are getting off the ride. They <laughs> had such a good time. I think they're ha- I think they're more happy that they're leaving rather than anything else. <laughs> they cooled down for a minute, I think. So what else is on your plans for today, Steve? Uh, probably make a, a trek around World Showcase and. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, I'm not. Yeah, probably just take a trek around. I haven't had lunch yet, so I'll probably do that as well. What are you thinking about for lunch? I love Katsura Grill in Japan, so I might stop over there. It's, that's probably my favorite quick service. That and Sunshine Seasons are my two favorites. Okay, cool. All yeah. right, well, go. Uh, make sure you vlog it. Will do. Okay, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for joining us. All right, thanks, guys. Oh. What the hell? Is that a rape whistle? <laughs> I think it's a home invasion, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it sounded like a rape whistle. It's, it's the band coming to say goodbye. <laughs> well, then he disappeared so quickly. I'm really yeah. kind of worried. It's Epcot's all-lesbian band being a send-off to Ellen. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to Rapid Fire. Mr. Magi, what have you got for us? I'm getting side eyes over here from Kevin. Uh, Better than getting side boob. Really? Disney Cruise Line is adjusting their cancellation policy beginning August 15th. Um, This is for five-night sailings and their special holiday sailings. The five-nights cancellation policies will start at 89 days uh, versus 74 days. And for the special holiday sailings, um, 104 days Versus 89 days. Not a huge difference and nothing to the other cruises. Well, it's 15 days. They've added 15 days right. to each one. And all the other cruises stay the same. The cancellation stays the same. <laughs> I think what this points to now is how popular five-night cruises have become. Yeah. Because it used to be one through four had a certain – one through five had a certain policy. Now it's one through four <coughs> and then five through – whatever the longest cruise is. So that tells a lot for now how popular these cruises are. So this is five-night and longer cruises, not just the five-night cruises. Correct. 
Correct. Sort of the Five Night Sailing moved into the upper category. Of, Any idea why they would? Uh, I think it's just the popularity of it. They don't want people canceling because they want to keep those staterooms on those ships because they know people want them. I guess they're, they must be having some cancellation drama then if they're needing to extend Probably it. at the last minute. Yeah. Definitely. I think a lot of the cruise lines are changing their cancellation policies. Uh, Royal Caribbean changed theirs also. Um, they went to this non-refundable option for a lot of their cruises because especially for suites now it's right. not an option anymore if you cancel we even within a certain amount of time there's a penalty yeah all right yeah. thank you john all right that's it keeping Kevin. it rapid uh Saks fifth avenue and disney are going to celebrate the 80th anniversary of snow white that's it i'm done no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Saks Fifth Avenue in New York is going to offer a series of themed breakfasts at Cafe SFA, Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, on the eighth floor, uh, they're going to have Snow White. Dopey will make special guest appearances during seatings on select days from Saturday, November 25th through Sunday, uh, December 31st. And this is the part that interested me. Saks' annual holiday window unveiling in New York will celebrate Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. The collaboration includes Disney-inspired fashion, accessories, and giftable items created by premier designers and available in Saks stores in the U.S., Canada, and at Saks.com. Combining with Disney has become a thing. Coach Mm -hmm. just did it with a couple of times where they created Disney-inspired leather goods and stuff like that. Everybody's doing it. Yeah, but they're at least keeping it they're at least keeping it on, you know, it's Coach, Saks Fifth Avenue. Right. So and I'm up, not, up, I think scale. it's great. We went to the Coach sale and bought stuff for people. Um, I think this is awesome. And it's hard to believe that that movie is 80 years old. It's yeah, like such a crazy, part of our lives that and it's still so fresh. Speaking of anniversaries, yesterday would have been Lucille Ball's 106th birthday. And I can't let this go without thinking about that. Wow. It was just her birthday yesterday, so. Um, but I think this is a good thing. I'll be interested to see what they offer. Yeah. Me too. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Charles? Uh, yeah. So um, there is uh, free valet parking and a free appetizer for each adult entree at four restaurants. Um, this is for Florida residents. This is for Florida residents. Um, at Jico, uh, Citrico's, Flying Fish, and Artist Point. Um, and all four of those are also on that list for the 30% off that um, DVC members and Tables in Wonderland get. And um, annual pass holders. And annual pass holders. So. People with elbows. <laughs> I, think, I think you guys talked about this on a previous show. This speaks a lot to the fact that they can't get locals to come to Disney. That, well, it's, you know, um, they're, I, I, I think it, we have a perfect storm. I was actually over at Gico recently and and talked to somebody who mentioned that normally in the summer they see a dip um, because the clientele in the summer tend to be families and a little more value conscious so some of these like Gico and Flying Fish and Citrico's tend to see a drop off I think it's even more pronounced this year because of all the announcements of, you know, with Toy Story opening next year, Star Wars opening the year after that, people saying we're going to hold off combined with Disney raising the ticket prices during peak season, which this is now considered peak season to try and uh, thin out the crowds a little bit without losing money. Um, I think that's what we're seeing here. But it's also this- interesting that these are all out of park experiences. 
Mm-hmm. These are right restaurants. You don't are, have to go into right. A theme these, park. You don't need a theme park to go to these. So it's interesting that they're pushing that. Exactly. I think probably in general the reason why they see a summer drop off is that for for Floridians, summer is the equivalent of the Northeast winter. Like we don't go out as much, right? Because of the heat and the humidity, and so we stay home as it is. So, so I think that's one of the reasons for their local drop off. Now, while I'm speaking about Jico, first of all, the dinner that we had there Thursday night was, as always, spectacular. I mean, it was amazing. Um, and uh, some of you know about you know the secret menu item of the uh, the fillet uh, with the re- uh, red wine reduction. Um, and the mac and cheese that, you know, it's not on the menu, quote unquote, but you can order it because it's, it's so popular. It was on the menu, uh, when the restaurant first opened, they took it off, people flipped out. So they make it available, but you got to ask for it. Well, they've kind of put it back on the menu, but they did it a little different. A, now it can be either the, the filet itself or a Wagyu strip steak. Um, and they have the same reduction sauce, but... In addition, the mac and cheese is now um, combined with a babodi. And I got to tell you, it is about the greatest thing I've ever had in my life. It was so, 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 so good. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. It's amazing. We were, I mean, we left that meal uncomfortable. (laughs) We were so full. That's how Corey leaves every meal. Well, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) That's how I leave every meal with Corey. Feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> it was. It was absolutely. It was absolutely spectacular. The service was great. The food was just. Never had a bad meal at Chico. Yeah, no, I love Chico. You know what? Had a bad experience. Everything. And you can you can still order the mac and cheese without the babodi right. if you want the original version. But like, I'd recommend getting it with. It's genius. It, it was. It was an incredible combination of flavors um, in this. So, absolutely. You know, but. Like, because I was, you know, talking to somebody and being like, you know, why, why is Disney having really having to do this? And he said, it's the summer, and normally we dip down in the summer, but it always comes back, you know. And I think it will. Um, but you'll notice every week there is another announcement about we're discounting this. You know, first it was tables in Wonderland, uh, or it was annual pass holders and DVC members. Uh, getting 30% off if you went before 6.30 or after 8.30 to select restaurants. Then the next week, we're adding tables in Wonderland to it. And now this week, it's Florida residents, we're going to give you um, we're going to give you an appetizer and free valet. First of all, the valet should be free anyway when you're having, when you're having dinner. You should be able to validate. And that always annoyed me with the Disney restaurants. They should just be doing that in general. If you're a DVC member, don't you get valet parking? You do, and Tables in Wonderland. Um, but if you're, Flo- if you're a Florida resident without those things, you have to pay for valet. Yeah, technically, DVC, your valet is only free if you're on a reservation. If you're staying, but I think they give it to you anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I know for Tables in Wonderland, if you eat yeah. at a restaurant, you get the valet free. But And we believe, we haven't seen anything to suggest otherwise, that... If you go to dinner at these places, if you're a Florida resident and an annual pass holder, and you go before 6.30 or after 8.30 to these restaurants, you get the free valet, the free appetizer, and 30% off the rest of your meal. We don't have that confirmed, but we did not see anything saying could not be combined with other offers, did we? 
So you can go uh, to no. dinner and come out with money that they give you? Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's what it's coming down Stack to. Stack your discounts. Yeah. So, really, especially for Florida residents right now, awesome, awesome opportunity yeah. to go hit these places up. So, all right. Thank Great. you, Charles. Yep. Jules? Um, because we're talking about food before I talk about uh, Aladdin, Corey and I had the chance to eat at STK for dinner for our anniversary, finally. How was it? We loved it. Um that is, they play loud pop music, but for me, I, I enjoyed it because then I knew no one was listening to our conversation. You know, like how some nice restaurants, it's so quiet, you can hear a pin drop, like you're like whispering because you feel bad being loud or whatever. Um, but incredible appetizers. We had a sommelier who helped us match our wine to our meal, which you don't get at a lot of, I mean, unless you ask. Like she came to our table and was like, can I help you out? And we're like, sure. We don't usually do that sort of thing, but we did. Um, I had an amazing short rib meatloaf, they called it. Mm. So basically all they, it's not a true meatloaf. It's in quotes. (laughs) So they just basically compress your meatloaf. I mean, your short ribs. Yeah. Into a, like a meatloaf shape. And then they like sear it all over and it come. Oh, it had an amazing sauce and it was just so good. I wanted to give I love short ribs. I just have to try it. We keep talking about. Yeah. I've heard mixed reviews on this. So I mean, but just don't, don't expect it to be quiet. It's loud. There's a Mm. lot of things going on, but I mean, we loved it. So we would go back for sure. Cool. And place you can take the kids. It doesn't matter how loud they are. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have the kids with you for that? No, no, no. I was going to say. Anniversary dinner. Anniversary dinner. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah, but it was, it, was, it was really nice. We had a great time. So, anyway, it just got me thinking about that. Um, so Disney's upcoming live-action remake of Aladdin has found its Jafar. Marwan Kanzari is reportedly in negotiation with Disney to assume the role of Jafar, and Kanzari has appeared in MGM's Ben-Hur, the remake, FYI. (laughs) (laughs) Not the original, okay. Universal's The Mummy, and he also stars opposite Numi Rapace and Glenn Close in Netflix's action thriller What Happened to Monday. I haven't seen that, if anyone has or not. So, um, He's also played the conductor of a train filled with duplicitous characters, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, Daisy Ridley, Johnny Depp, and Josh Gad in Fox's remake of The Orient Express. Oh, yeah. That's coming then, out in November. I'm excited about that. Supposedly, former Saturday Night Live comedian Nassim Pedra is also said to be joining the Aladdin cast, but it, it's going to be in a role that has been created specifically for the new film. So they're apparently at making up characters now. <laughs> so. And they'll probably put in an original song or two so they can yeah, well, for I mean, we're used to that. nominations. Um, yeah. Don't the do release it. date for Aladdin has not been announced yet, but at least they found their Jafar. Still no Aladdin, right? No, they have uh, Aladdin and Jasmine now. Oh, okay. Okay. So this guy from the photo, I think he's going to be perfect. He actually kind of looks like Jafar to me. But So congrats to him. Awesome. Thank you, Julie. Gregory? Okay, so um, mobile ordering uh, that you can do through the My Disney Experience app has once again um, expanded to more restaurants early... uh, Early last week or over the weekend, I can't figure out what it was. Uh, but now at Hollywood Studios, you can use the mobile ordering through the app for Backlot Express, ABC Commissary, or Pizza Rizzo. I'm not sure why you would want to with any of those. Or, sorry, no, you will be able to... Backlot Express started today, then August 14th, ABC Commissary, Pizza Rizzo on August no, 15th. Commissary's actually gotten pretty good. I was going to say, Tracy talked about the commissary, and I think this is where she got her steak. I know. It, it is, there's, yeah. There's, you know... Yeah, she was impressed by it. I, I, I will tell you, you've eaten there a couple of times in the last few months. 
and I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. Backlot Express as well. I didn't find it. I didn't find it uh, terrible. I hate Backlot Express. The Pizza Rizzo, on the other hand, was horrifying. I, I hate Backlot Express. Every time I go there, the food comes out cold. And anymore now, I I don't want to like say it in a negative way, but you have to compare standards that Disney is now set versus what they have. You can't have the food at Satuli Canteen be so good and then still settle for something that costs more over Agreed. ABC commissary. Well, that's a general, well, I finally, general problem with Disney. Yeah. Thursday, Thursday, I finally got over to Pandora. Um, I know. Um, and we had lunch at Satuli Canteen, and oh my God, the food was amazing. I mean, it's a whole new level of quick service. Oh. And I... Yeah, I'd like to see if if that's going. The success of that and the reviews of that are gonna are gonna bleed over um, to some of these other places. Yep, and uh, I, I think it needs to. Um, quick service, you know, we we eat that a lot. Rhino and I specifically, when we're out in the parks, that's what we go and we do vlog reviews on. So we eat a lot of quick service more than the average person eats uh, when they're down for a week, probably on a vacation, and so. Um, you know, I, I hope people start to trust us when something's bad and we say it's bad. It, it's it's really not that great. Um, but uh, but yeah, I love the modal, mobile ordering. That is just absolutely incredible that you can buy. I mean, it's not anything new, but it, it's so great that you can now bypass these lines at Disney, walk up and just literally pick your food up off the counter and walk back to your seat without having know. to deal with any of the hassle. I don't know if you guys talked about this, but they just added online check-in now to the app. So the app's becoming very robust. Yeah, it so is. Yeah, Good Did, for them. Disney has a history, though, of things starting out good and then dumbing it down. Remember when Skipper's Canteen opened and everybody talked about how exotic it was? Mm -hmm. And that's gone. Disney always has a opens up something. Oh, have they changed the menu that drastically? I still find it very... I. It's very I thought they took to all the. I haven't been there. No, 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 oh, they, yeah. no. They haven't. They, they've. They, I think they've renamed things. Um, but the last time I was there, which was about three or four months ago, oh, no, um, I had read the I things still, that they were there originally were gone. Mm, no, not at least not the last time I was there. Now that may have changed, but um, I guess my point was that Disney dumps things down pretty quickly. They can, they can. Um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, for commissary. Uh, I was, you know, the chicken and ribs at commissary, I thought were very good. I had a bad experience. Did you? Yeah, I had a chicken sandwich there, and I was angry. I was furious at this chicken sandwich by the time I left. It was dry, and it was... And once again, if you compare it to something like Satuli Canteen, like, you know, price-wise and everything like that. Yeah, it's... Um, I was... I was not happy with the money I spent, but then again, everybody else had had decent meals. I think you guys, uh, you were there. I think uh, Steve was there, um, and you guys both enjoyed it. But yeah, my chicken sandwich was. Um, I'm vehement against it. <laughs> I, I will say the one nice part about mobile ordering that I I think is helping it cut down right now, and it won't become an issue, is that you currently have. To, um, you can't use your linkage like your resort reservation. So if you have your credit card on file with Disney, that doesn't matter. You have to put in your credit card information um, through the app. So 
a lot of people probably won't want to take that extra step. So for like a local, it's perfect. I don't have my credit card linked in my Disney experience. doesn't matter. I have to do it when I use the mobile ordering. But for some families, if they left all their credit cards back in their room and they were just planning on using um, using their magic bands to pay all day, they, they can't do so with the mobile ordering system right now. So um, it, it's, it's keeping that really well regulated. And I think just a lack of knowledge of people caring to use it thinking why not just wait in the line for it but i if you go use it i highly recommend it all right awesome thank you craig that will do it for rapid fire that is also going to do it for this episode of our show we hope you enjoyed it and we will be back with you again next week with another edition of the diz unplugged thanks for being with us everyone and remember stay out of the damn lakes have a good week